Happy Valentine's Day, loyal listeners of Crossing Broadcast. You're in for a treat. Today, no holds barred. Two men, two mics, one heart. It's the Valentine's Day edition of Crossing Broadcast with your host, give it up for him, Russell Joy. Good morning. Thank you for that lovely intro, Adam, and hey there. Crossing broadcast listeners, it's a uh, boy. Is it a is it a great day for some love? Mm. Mm, indeed, mm. it is. I just remembered that when I woke up this morning and my wife looked at me at five thirty as I hit snooze for the fourth time, I didn't wish her a happy Valentine's Day. Oh. I have to, I'm gonna have to change that. Are you realizing that right now? Yes, I am, Adam. Damn, you had no idea before I said I, that, didn't you? No, I totally forgot. Holy shit, what are you going to do? I'm a little bit worried. I really don't She's know. She's given you two kids, and you can't even remember February the 14th. In fairness, my wife and I really don't like Valentine's <laughs> stay, Day. Stay in the voice. I'm sorry, Adam. Uh, you know, Valentine's Day has never been a day that we've really cared all that much about. You go out for dinner, and the menus are shortened, and and, and the prices are hiked. Go out, how long, go out how long did it take for after. you? How long did it take for you to convince her that it was dumb? Now she knew from the start that we, the start that we, you know, when we began dating, we went to a terrible dinner at eight thirty at night at some restaurant I'll never return to. I don't remember the name. I, I must have whitewashed it from my memory, and it cost me one hundred forty-eight dollars with the tip. And I was in college. You don't you can, remember the name, but you'll never forget the $148. It was the worst surf and turf of my life. All right, I'm done. That was great. <laughs> wow. So, all right. Like, I don't want to talk too loud because my girlfriend's in the room. You got to get flowers, though, Russ. No, I know. I always have those things worked out. Don't worry about that. You know, we only did ad reads for that jewelry's place for months. I know. And here's their perfect opportunity. And <laughs> whatever. Speaking of, uh, we've got two sponsors. Kyle didn't send the ad reads over, so we're going we're gonna to wing this. Uh, Crossing Broadcast brought to you, as always, by the fine folks at Carlino's Market in Ardmore and Westchester. Uh, if you are looking for... I'm leaving the soundtrack. Nothing quite like going to Carlino's for a Valentine's dinner. You Listen, if you are a regular guy and you don't know how to cook, I guess I'm not regular in that, but if you're somebody who doesn't like to cook... You've been trying to get that that beautiful lady in your life to go on a date with you, um, or or man, or man, whatever you know. We have female listeners and male, whatever you're into. God, if you're just uh, setting up traps, yeah. I don't. If you've been waiting to take somebody out to a, a delicious dinner or fake it like you made it yourself, Carlino's in Ardmore and Westchester are a great place to go. They have some fantastic things going for Valentine's Day today. Go out. Get yourself some pasta. Get yourself some artisanal meats and cheeses. And absolutely wow that special someone in your life. Or if you're spending this Valentine's Day alone, might I interest you in going to get some delicious pasta, artisanal meats or cheeses, and even some pizza. They are all available for you at Carlino's Market in Westchester and in Ardmore. We'd also like to to, uh, thank the fine folks at Amerigas, who uh, have how many locations around the country, Adam? Like millions. Yeah, 55,000. They can be found locally at uh, Home Depot and 7-Eleven. Uh, don't forget, they're running a, a uh, promotion right now. If you find an Amerigas tank, if you own one, if you find one and you want to take the most epic, glorious, fantastic selfie possible with that tank, with the hashtag show your tank, 
uh, you will be entered to win a contest. Uh, crossingbroad.com backslash Amerigas. All you have to do is fill in your name and I believe an email, and they might ask for a zip code. That's it. You're entered to win $500 worth of Amerigas slash Crossing Broad things. It's a $200 gift card to the Crossing Broad store where you can find such delightful designs as the Philly Special, as well as the No One Likes Us Jason Kelsey shirt. So, uh, look, that could also be a nice uh, late Valentine's Day gift if you uh, lied to your significant other and said that uh, all you, you know, your gift is uh, in the mail. Um, and they also are including like a heat lamp and uh, a bunch of other things. Those things are all on the website, crossingbroad.com backslash Amerigas. Thank you to Amerigas. Thank you to Carlinos. And as always, thank you to the fine folks who listen to the Crossing Broadcast. Should I transition us into uh, iTunes reviews before we get into uh, all of the other nonsense that's happening in Philadelphia yeah, sports? Yeah, sure. Just to look ahead, some of the stuff we're going to talk about is going to be uh, the Kyle Newbeck Fultz story. Uh, because, you know, can't go a week without talking about Fultz's shooting form. Uh, we'll talk about the dead streak that is now dead, and it's a little bit sad. Thanks, Flyers. Uh, I, I have something just about how the Phillies are changing with the times, Ooh. and then I think, uh, I don't know if we fully addressed the what do the Eagles do without Frank Reich Filippo, but I can comment on that too. But let's go first to the re- re- reviews of iTunes. We have so many, and I don't remember what the last one was, so I'm not going to read all of them here, but I'd like to thank, let's see, we've got MJL underscore 52, who said that I, I can't sleep on Wally Kazam, who I guess is the walrus from uh, Paw Patrol. I messed that up on Twitter one day. Uh, Fitty76 said, eh, five stars, these guys are okay. Jeff nice. in Jersey, uh, like Jeff in Jersey yeah. said, uh, grew up listening to Sports Talk through college and beyond, go Nova. I finally couldn't take it anymore about 15 years ago. Moved on. Your podcast is a breath of fresh air. Been listening from the beginning because I miss Philly sports talk so much. I don't miss the violations, cuzzes, adult beverages of choice, and every other nonsensical thing that somehow made its way into the vernacular. Keep up the good work. Great take on how the Eagles' past conference title games were were not fun. So right. Only Andy Reid could make 11-win season, 11 seasons a burden. We also had Foz, uh 12 Great alternative to typical Philly or to typically Philly radio drab. Never left a podcast review. Really felt like you guys deserved it. Keep up the good work. Uh, we have two more, but we'll come back to those in a little bit. I don't want to okay, bombard cool. people with it right now. So I think the it was interesting when we were talking about. I think Monday was when the Newbeck story first came out about Fultz, and then I was at work and it just started rippling through work like. When I'm when I'm at Bleacher and Howard Beck is sitting there and he goes, "Hey, did you read that Fold story?" And I'm like, "Damn it, Howard!" I was like, "Howard, is it crazy that I've just been trying to avoid this for like three months?" And he's like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> oh, fuck, dead. I'm dying. Okay. <laughs> uh, he was. I was. I was like. I was like, I don't know. I just want to treat this like every other Sixers rookie where they're just shelled for a year and I don't want any stories and I don't want any videos and I don't want any more prodding because I feel like it hurts the development of the kid. I was like, I just want him to be left alone and we'll pick this up again next June when we have another top pick and we go, oh yeah, house faults. But it's never going to happen because this is the most fascinating of all the cases and Joel Embiid had a quote in which he said, I don't I don't think he has people that are like in his own corner or something like that, right? I think the people that surround him aren't really supporting him. 
I think it's genuinely because nobody has any idea what the fuck is going on and everybody wants to point fingers and everybody wants to be the reason that his shot gets saved. This is like, it's it's like the curious, this feels like a Rick and Morty episode where like he got shot and then like magically lost the power to shoot. And I think it just completely befuddles everybody. And I was curious, Russ, when you read that article what what grabbed your attention in that story? Honestly, nothing, because mm-hmm. I I was actually disappointed. So we'd we'd kind of heard that there there was the possibility that something was going to drop, and I appreciate the fact that like Newbeck went out and and wrote what was a what ended up being a really long article. Um, but my issue with it, I guess, was I thought we were going to finally have some groundbreaking information, and and I didn't think we got it. I think the only thing that really came out that was maybe new is that Fultz had been working out, or even has been as as recently as January, had or has been working out with his personal trainer, uh, Williams, who, you know, I guess the team is, has kind of tried to keep away from the kid. Like, they've been working with him in practice. They've been working with him with, like, other mentors on trying to rebuild this shot, only to then find out, you know, through second- or third-hand sources from, like, I guess the beat guys, that, wait... Fultz has actually been like down at his high school or has been like in a private gym working out with his lifelong trainer. Um, I'm just looking for the quote really quick, but like the, the issue that I find with it is a 19 year old kid, which people seem to forget. And just because a guy has made it into the NBA or has made it into any pro league does not mean that he's got the maturity of a 35 year old vet. He's a 19 year old kid. He still can't buy alcohol. He only, he's only a year removed from being able to buy, like, cigarettes and whatever, and, like, lottery tickets, all right? He's got multiple people in his ear at all times telling him how he's supposed to shoot the ball. Now, it sounds like, and if you go back to the original Brett Brown quotes, that included the fact that, like, Brown said that Fultz had tried to work on some stuff on his own during the offseason to get himself better, to get that shot fixed. Uh, a Sixers source had said that they would have given Fultz's Washington shot an 8.5 out of 10 in terms of form. There was a small hitch in it. It sounds like Fultz took it on himself after Summer League, and I think after preseason, or no, it was after Summer League, to uh, to work with his trainer in trying to speed up his release, which you need to do when you get into the NBA, and to eliminate the hitch in his shot. So it sounds like the kid's doing exactly what you would want to hear. You would want to know that a, that a uh, kid has listened to the coaching staff, that they are trying to improve their game for the next level, and always speeding up, you know, speeding up your release is so important. How many times do we talk about at the end of games, there are players who can't get a shot off with, you know, 0.3 seconds on the clock because it takes them too long to wind up. Um, but unfortunately it sounds like, uh, in trying to retrain his jump shot, if, if you believe that version of the story, uh, they just totally wrecked the entire shot. And it's not like he's a 30, it's not like when LeBron James has gone back and tweaked his jump shot to become a better distance shooter, to extend his range out to the three point arc. That wasn't something he was doing at like age 18 where he had to like rebuild the entire thing. He wasn't a good jump shooter. Uh, to start with, so you're essentially trying to improve on something that wasn't great. Fultz was drafted specifically because he was such a good shooter and a playmaker. Without that, you've got like a James Harden who can't shoot. Right, so, but here's the thing, is we already knew all of this shit. 
And I think what's interesting about the story is what you said before about how, so he's still working out with his own trainer. And Newbeck emphasized so many times that the Sixers didn't know. Yep. And that is the question that we have been asking and everyone's been asking the entire time is who knew? Because it doesn't sound like the Sixers knew. The trainer doesn't sound like he did any interviews. Like, who knew first? You know what I mean? Like, how long did Markell knew? Because people got very upset with the Sixers for a long time, claiming that they knew all along and were lying to us. Because that's the storyline that's happened multiple times already with other rookies and their injuries. But... What's so funny is is it turns into this finger-pointing thing when everyone starts blaming each other and then Markel Fultz is there in a gym in Delaware just trying not to listen to any of it. And I'll never forget, I remember when Danny Ainge made the trade and he said he was going to take Jason Tatum and it was like, what? And it came out that Markel Fultz was afraid of the bright lights or whatever. And everyone's like, who gives a shit? This is whatever. I think I was one of those people. But it's just. I don't think that was a thing. This is. You don't remember that? No, I know what you're talking about. But Danny Ainge says that kind of stuff all the time. He also comes out after trade deadlines, like historically, and says that we were close, but the other team didn't pull the trigger. He's a master manipulator of the press. He's, yeah, but it fucking was right. Well, I mean, like, looking back on it now, yeah, fine, it looks great. Like, it, it does. But there have been so many times that Danny Ainge has just flat out lied and manipulated the press that, like, I, know. I, I didn't buy it at the time. I still don't think that if they had the number one pick, they would have taken Jason Tatum. Yeah. I just, um, man... It sucks. It's, it's fascinating. It's it's fascinating in this way too. If you're a media member, let's say you're the the NBA the basketball writer for Crossing Broad, and you're going to practice. So Kevin Mark, Kincaid goes down there, and Markel Fultz is on the other side of the court, and he's shooting, and you're about to whip out that phone, and JJ Reddick grabs your hand and goes, "Bro, he's fucking twenty." He's going to die if you keep doing this. Like, he's going to, like, just be in his own head, and we don't need any more Zapruder film. Do you, A, get the shot because you know you're getting 2,000 retweets and your boss is going to appreciate you? Or do you, B, not do it to the wishes of the teammate and him, and in some way, maybe this minuscule way, aid in his process of improving? Russell Joy, what do you do? It's a flawed argument. So on one hand, uh, like your specific example there, so Kevin Kincaid is actually one of the people who's been applauded for not like going down and shooting so much Zapruder film like the others. Um, but here's why the argument's flawed. The Sixers. It was a do, question. This, it wasn't an argument. Well, the the question, the premise well, is flawed because the Sixers put most of their practice behind a curtain. The okay. beat guys don't see practice. Right. So so Fultz is only out there shooting in front of the media because the team allows Fultz to shoot in front of the media. There was plenty of time. There were entire months where no one saw him shoot a jump shot. All he was doing were doing finishing uh, drills at the at the So rim. you're saying if the Sixers didn't want him taking any video of, they could just put him behind the curtain. Yeah, they could just tell him, get off the court. Practice is over. Get off yeah, the court. That's, could this simple. be seen as a 
uh, a way of I don't know. Is this supposed to be like psychological for him that like, ooh, the cameras are on because the cameras are always going to be on. Yeah, that's fine. Except for the fact that like you run the risk of like making this kid's psychosomatic symptoms worse. That's the problem. Like, I think there's something to be said for wanting to set up a game scenario. You know, like people were making fun of him on Twitter because uh, it was I think it was Newbeck's article or it was Bodner's article with the, the VR training just so that he would be able to like visualize what a game situation would look like. I mean, I think that's pretty cool. But like the the fact still stands. Like I am making if, fun of shit. If, I just want the kid to be able to shoot. Like if, if you it think takes that's a video cool, game, let's go. Yeah, I mean the team has the ability now to kind of maintain the narrative. Like we said in the beginning of the year, I I was the one who was beating the drum. I still believe that if Fultz was ever injured and he started the season injured, that it was the team who was trying to force him through it because they didn't want the narrative that they had a number one overall pick, another first-round pick, have to sit out an extended period of time. I don't know. You know what fucks me up, Russ, to that argument? The agent. The agent doing that thing with Woj and putting out the story about about his shoulder being drained. Because I believe that these kids ever since the fucking draft are like internet celebrities and they're all over the place and they are hearing, they see all the stories, biggest risers, fallers, busts and surprises. And I think they're all so afraid of that, that they were on the defensive. And I feel like when they were on the defensive, I was like, Oh shit. Fultz's camp is trying to control this narrative. So Adam, let me ask you this. If, Thanks for which, saying my which name. Is, which is the worst? Trey, at Adam Lefko. Hey, guy. Uh, L-E-F-K-O-E, man. Hey, uh, there's no man. If, if, I, yeah. if, I may, uh, if I may ask you this. Uh, <laughs> this is going back to like the Josh Innes interview where we did, where every time I ask him something, let me ask you a question. Um, Josh what's, What is worse? Is it worse for the team to be just blatantly negligent in their responsibilities as a team? Or is it worse for them to be so oblivious to everything that's been going on under their nose? Like the, That's both this, negligent. No, you have to have one of those that's, are they completely negligent or do they know and they've been lying to us? I'd rather they were lying to us. I don't want to root for a team that's so fucking dumb that they don't know what's going on. I'd rather root for a team that knows what's going on acts like they don't know what's going on and lies to us because I think sometimes, oftentimes, mass amounts of people should be deceived in small doses. Oh, okay. I don't think everybody needs to know everything. No, I don't disagree with that. But, you know, it's like uh, there's certain things in that file, you know. I don't, people don't need to know where Area 51 is, Russ, even though they know where Area 51 is. But if they knew that there were aliens, maybe we'd I think, freak out. I think we should know where Area 51 is so we can find the Monstars who took uh, Fultz's ability. You think that's what happened? Uh, it's it's at least a decent theory. I, I think they need... Uh, I feel like there needs to be someone when someone's shooting video of Fultz from across the court and Bede perfectly like, walks right in front of them and just does like a Matumbo finger wave <laughs> and just goes, no, no, no. I think that would be great. Uh, I like that it's it it caused MB to stick up for him. Um, yeah, while but, throwing under like while Fult- throwing Fultz's people under the bus. Look, I don't want to make this a Sam Hinkie thing, but if this had happened under Sam Hinkie, the whole freaking league would be burning. 
Every national media outlet would be burning him at the stake, Joan of Arc style. I, don't, I and, still hear people burning the Sixers. And I, I heard it yesterday on Levitard. And I, I just don't get it. Like the, the whole reason, one of the, one of the biggest things that Brian Colangelo was supposed to be was this, this master of media and this guy who has like all the relationships. He's great with agents. Well, we saw that that didn't work out with Raymond Brothers, the agent who you know. Had that Fultz had his his shoulder drained. We we've seen how it hasn't exactly you know worked out with uh, all of Fultz's people, some of whom who have leaked stuff to the press. It would sound it doesn't sound like there's good communication within the organization. And again, as you said, they're either negligent or they're liars. I'm starting to think that they were just negligent in their duties. That they really are that oblivious to everything that's been going on around this kid. And that to me is a fireable offense. But you know, who am I? I'm just a guy who records a podcast every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 6 a.m. and has to sit here and field questions on Twitter about why is it that Markel Fultz isn't playing yet. I will say the silver lining in all this is TJ McConnell's getting a lot of time and he recorded a triple double with six steals, and, too. And the, the team's love of TJ McConnell like knows no bounds. And I think my favorite aspect of T.J. McConnell is that he often gets into fights with, like, the other team's best player. And I think it's great because I feel like every time he plays a team for the first time, they don't expect his energy and they don't expect his level of talent, which has gotten to a level where he's a legitimate NBA backup guard, um, like a seventh, six-man type of deal. And they get so taken aback that he gets into like a yelling match with them every fucking game. Yep. And it's great. And I just want to say salute TJ McConnell in this time. You've kept them a playoff team. And I'm super excited that he's getting time. So that's been awesome. The weird thing this season is I feel like I have to root against Donovan Mitchell because I want Ben Simmons to win Rookie of the Year. And I love Donovan Mitchell, so this is weird. Yep, and like that's one of the things looking back on it that I've been, I guess, upset about is I'm still glad that they made the trade for Fultz. I still think Fultz is going to be a really good player, but like when we even interviewed Jonathan Wasserman on uh, on this podcast in the summer, two guys that stood out to me that I had asked him about were Dennis Smith and Donovan Mitchell. And Mitchell had been, you know, soaring up draft boards, uh, mock drafts at that point, and that kid is legit. And you look back on it now, and you wouldn't have ever taken Donovan Mitchell number three, but if that trade-back scenario had been there with Sacramento and you could have gotten him at 10, like that that would have probably been your best value. I'm very happy, though, that Josh Jackson sucks. Because Is he I, not I playing seem, well? I seem to remember, I think it was at least Kyle, I think maybe both of you, had said that Josh Jackson is definitely a guy who you have to give consideration to at number three. Um He's averaging 11 points on the year. He's shooting 40%. I wouldn't say that's number three pick in the draft. I haven't looked at his advanced stats. I just know that he hasn't been playing all that well. He might have yeah, to had be a honest, good run here. It's too he's shooting, to shooting anything, 25% but... from three. What's worse? A guy that that, that was drafted, uh, was he number four, I guess, drafted in the league, uh, shooting 26% or a kid who forgot his jump shot? I don't know. Uh, I really don't on. know. Mark Fultz. He's played four games. Uh, so you mentioned earlier that you do a podcast where you have to be up at six. Sure. Uh, maybe you should go and play for the Phillies mm. for the first time. Phillies workouts will not be happening at like eight, nine in the morning. They're going to be happening at 11 a.m. Because they've decided, why do we make these guys play tired and more risk to injury when during the regular season, 
They play all of their games at 7 p.m. Why are we so obsessed with something like 7 a.m.? So now they're going to be doing it at 11. Gabe Kapler, they're in there and they're changing stuff and it's going to get super scientific. I can't wait for every day for them to weigh their balls and I, see how they feel. I really hope this doesn't come back to, to bite them. Not the not the 11 a.m. thing. I'm hoping that Kapler... Just Gabe Kapler in general? Yeah, like... My, oh, I'm fully going to this expecting for it to bite them so that if it happens anything else, I'm like, oh, pleasant surprise. I mean, you... This see, guy's crazy. Yeah, I know. See, like, I, I, was, I said this in Slack the other day. Like, Charlie Manuel was looked at as, like, a bumbling idiot. Doug Peterson was looked at as a middle part visor wearing stepdad who just like who just wants you to be happy. Yeah, Gabe Kapler guy. comes in looking like a, a legitimate model. He looks like the mannequin at Dick's Sporting Goods or Models. Uh, the Phillies it reminds me of like a Chip Kelly type of vibe, though. Yeah, like all the sports science and the analytics and all that. Yes, that is very Chip Kelly esque. The difference is we know that his players in the minors have actually enjoyed playing for him. We know that he can actually stand up, get into the weight room, and do as much or more than many of his players can. And there is definitely a psychological, not to get back to Fultz here, but there is a psychological aspect um, to seeing that your manager can do uh, what you are supposed to do as a player. That kind of stuff happens. Like, soccer is a sport that, like, it happens, I guess, more in. But, like, your coach is usually able to do at least some of the stuff. Like, when you've got... Look, I love Charlie Manuel. Charlie Manuel was not going to go out there and run the bases uh, the way that you need to see that demonstrated. Gabe Kapler is going to be able to do that. And for a young team that needs to see how to do something, there is value in being able Fucking to see, see your That's manager your, do it. That's like, your confidence is that you think that he's athletic enough to, to show them things? I, I hope I, not. I, I like it. Um, the, I think the bigger news is that the powder blue uniforms are coming back. Uh, on select Thursday games this season. I love the powder blue uniforms. I think they're just ugly enough uh, and just retro enough to be beautiful. My only concern is I hope they let them wear the maroon helmets because I know in the past there have been times where they've had uh, certain um, throwback jerseys and they've had to wear those those red helmets and they don't look right. So hopefully they get the aesthetic of that down. While you were talking, I need your advice on something. Yeah. Uh, I went on Instagram to be like, let's see if anything happened. And I have a coworker that posted a picture of uh, eating pancakes. And it says, a special breakfast in bed Valentine surprise for my wife. And it shows some pancakes. Mm-hmm. And he's drinking it with a glass of milk, which is pretty savage. But I went to his page. Of the 12 photos that are readily available, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 of the 12 are food and and the one of the other two is a menu that when you swipe it leads to food so 11 of the 12 are food and the other one is a scenic new york shot and of the food nine of the 11 are pancakes does this person have a problem or should i be jealous of his love for pancakes this person has really weird instagram game I guess is where I would start. Um, who doesn't love pancakes? Now, are they plain pancakes? Are they a varied pancake some assortment? Have, some of them have blueberries. Some of them blueberries have chocolate are, chips. Blueberries are clutch. Chocolate chip, absolutely. You need a glass of milk for that. I agree. That's okay. Yeah, but Russ, do you take pictures of your food ever? Be nope. real. 
No. Be honest. No, if I go out to a really fancy restaurant and the plating is really cool, I might like take a picture of it to like try it at home. But uh, I don't like take what? a picture. I don't. Yeah. But, you take like, a picture to then try it at home. Yeah, you work you, on. You've done that. Yeah. Like what? What plating techniques did Russell Joy bring to his personal kitchen? Uh, you know, that's gonna you make me feel bad. No, why? I'm impressed. So, I like, if you it. so, well, we both like to cook. So, if you go out to a restaurant and you see like the way that I don't know the 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 artsy the artsy way that like some places will make like a sweet potato hash and then they they plate the salmon on top. Ooh. Uh, in a in a way where it's it's angled just enough that you can see the hash underneath, but the the eye catches the salmon. Look, when you're married with kids, you don't get to go out a lot, and uh, sometimes so, so those things are really exciting. Yeah, they're it's exciting to to go home. We like watching Master Chef and Hell's Kitchen. So yeah, and like sometimes Chopped, I'm not as big of a fan. Iron Chef, like yeah, you know, look, you don't want to you don't want to play. Seen, look, I don't want our Chef's kids table? to grow up seeing like very crappily plated food. Cause you eat with your eyes first, man. I had never heard. I had never thought about taking a photo to, so that you could look at the plating. I've always saw, seen people like take photos to like show off what they're eating. Yeah, no. Like the idea of oh man, this is a really good omelet. Let me take a picture of this and like make everybody jealous. It's a freaking omelet, guys. Now that said, I have taken a picture of an omelet from a place down the road because they have the best breakfast in the world. But like, that's fine. See, what's funny is like I know a lot of people spend time like organizing their table to take a photo that looks good. When my food comes, I spend ninety percent of my brain organizing the table so that it's like the most room for more food on the table. I agree. Like I am like okay. Hi, sir. Nice to see you. Can you get rid of like all of these condiments and all of these small plates? Because I would like room to roam. Take please. the flowers and the votive candles away. It's three, yeah. it's three in the afternoon. I'm good. Thank you so much. Um, but yeah, taking the photo for plating is interesting because I will say there are times where I make something really good and the plating sucks and it doesn't look great. That's a shame. Yeah, well, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not in the Joy household where I have like a tag team of just wonderful chefs. Have you seen Chef's Table on Netflix? No, I've seen it's in my uh, you would like this list. Okay, so I would recommend to you and to all of the listeners of the Crossing Broadcast, if you have Netflix and you've never watched Chef's Table, go to season two, episode one. It's like Alinea. It's based in Chicago. It is the greatest story. It's one of the greatest stories I've ever seen, and it's about a chef, and it will motivate the fuck out of you. It is awesome. Season two, episode one, it's a doozy. Hmm. And if you're ever in Chicago, you probably won't get a reservation, but it's pretty good. I've got to get going uh, momentarily, but there are a couple of stories that I think we were going to hit that we I don't think got to. Uh, one really quick. The Flyers lost last night. They blew. They blew uh, their lead with like that. a minute and a half to go. I think it was Taylor Hall was the one that scored the goal. And then lost. Uh, and then in they the lost shootout. in the shootout. Surprise, surprise. Uh, I didn't know their goalie got hurt. Too. Yeah. So this is a thing that's happened before, and I was looking for the the um, the details on it in the past. Dave Hackstall has done this multiple times now. So last year he rode Steve Mason into the ground until Mason got hurt. Then he put Neuverth in. Neuverth goes in. He gets hurt, like after they rode him for, I think, like 15 straight games. By that point, Mason came back. 
Hackstall does this, and he he did it with Brian Elliott to a point where like Brian Elliott had even said to the press a couple of times that he he didn't feel a hundred percent. And hockey players don't say that kind of stuff. I think he started eighteen or twenty games in a row or something. Those are things that Henrik Lundqvist does. Brian Elliott is not like a twenty-two or twenty-three-year-old guy. He's not Sergei Bobrovsky. You can't expect to put him out there for twenty straight games and have nothing go wrong. Uh, if you don't trust Michael Neubert enough to be your backup to go in and like do a spot start here and there, then you shouldn't be your backup. You should make a trade before the deadline. You should have done a better job signing someone else in the offseason. You shouldn't have given Neubert um, what is borderline starter money last year uh, and an extra year on his contract. I mean, it's almost like Jared Bayless at this point. Um, he's like a decent backup, but like if he can't go in and do a spot start like Marty Biron used to do for Lundqvist at the Rangers, then I don't know what the point of having him on the team is. You have a few guys in the minors who would probably be at least like a, a decent stopgap for a spot start here or there. Um, you're still not ready to have your stud Carter Hart come up. Um, the one positive that's come out of the Flyers recently is Travis Konechny's playing really well. Um, and if nothing else, Nolan Patrick seems to have finally found his stride. Uh, he was moved up to, I think, the top line. Uh, he was taking shifts last night with Giroux and Voracek. Admittedly, I hadn't seen the past two Flyers games before it, but um, he's made a move up, and it seems like they're relying on him more in crunch situations, which is good. Uh, he does not look to be that bust that a lot of people were starting to label him as. Sometimes it just takes a while to get back in the swing of things, and he had a sports hernia surgery in the offseason, and we know that those take a while to recover from. The other thing was Lane Johnson and Teddy Bruschi, the little back and forth they had about... Uh, Before we get to that, I want to ask you this random question. Yes. What would you do if this was you? This guy surprised his girlfriend oh with a God. trip to Ireland uh. to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers. What? But when they got there and looked at the tickets, they realized that he had bought tickets for the Red Hot Chili Pipers the most famous bagpipe band on the planet. <laughs> and he just thought he was getting a really amazing deal <laughs> on Chili Peppers tickets. <laughs> the Red Hot Chili Pipers. That's fantastic. Holy shit. Guys, would that's you why, still, would that you is still why go to the in, show? Yeah. That's why it's important to read. You what? Oh, man. How are yeah, we but, supposed to be expected to teach children to read if they can't even fit inside the building? Man, see, I knew you'd love that movie because of the coal mining. But Chili Pipers, I don't know if I would. I think my my hope would be that I would put it out there in the universe and it would get retweeted enough to where the Chili Peppers are like, don't worry about it, bro. Here's backstage passes to our show two months from now. And then I would go to the show. But I would just be sitting there at the Chili Pipers. You know what? If you're in Ireland, Ireland, I would get so lit and then just go. Exactly. And or as about it. or as people in Ireland call it, uh, waking up and having a, a, a little breakfast. Yes, maybe some pancakes. Yeah, I gotta right, so go. Le- so if you want, late- no, I can't hold on. I have oh, to go. Done. So okay. I don't know now if you want to do the. Up. Do you want to do the brewski thing on uh, on Friday? I won't be able to. I'm gonna be in L.A. <gasps> yeah, I'm gonna be there for the All Star game. So I'll be back next Wednesday. Boo! Love you. You say you'll be back Wednesday. What about Monday? I'm gonna be in LA. I hate when you break these news uh, news bits to us. I know. Like now. All right. Well, that's what <laughs> we had that one show with the three of us all together. Anyway, it's, yeah, it's this has been fun. Uh, did you want to get to that last iTunes comment before you run away? No, I already shut it down. I'll do that on okay. Friday. 
That'll All give right. people something to look forward to on Monday or on Friday. Don't forget to All leave right. a five star review. We've gotten plenty. We've been getting a, another surge in iTunes. Yeah, and Russ leave is going to read all of them, yep. and he's going to really read them with a lot of pizzazz. Yes, I will. Joy on Broad at Crossing Broad. I'm at Adam Lefko. Uh, we'll talk Lane Johnson, Teddy Bruschi. If it's still a story, if not, I'm going to sum it up like this: The Eagles are the fucking king of the fucking hill. Everybody else looks like a computer robot zombie. It's cool to have fun when you play. Doug Peterson is a serious coach. Teddy Bruschi is just at this point a Manchurian candidate controlled by a joystick and a lever by Bill Belichick, and he can't think for himself. And Lane Johnson is the absolute fucking man. See you guys later. <laughs>